Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that's as reliable as Rangers back for making errors. This week on Heart and Hand... Welcome to Art and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by the wonder of the East Coast, it's Mr Cameron James Bell. David, my friend, how goes it in your world? Uh, just having a nice enough weekend, Cammy, and then uh, looking forward to the Rangers game. Never learn, do we? We never learn. It's uh, great when that, you know, that Monday morning feeling starts at uh, 20 past three on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yes. Uh Pretty early doors, we knew we were going to have more of the same. I think we should start, obviously, uh, at Dens Park, where Rangers hadn't lost since 1992, incidentally. And we should talk about what we watched. Uh, But I kind of feel I should just maybe copy and paste a file from earlier on the season. Um, We gave away a goal early, looking at shambles. We took about an hour before we created a chance. We were out-fought, we were out-muscled, we didn't win our 50-50s. Uh, a limited side who were hungrier and better organised than us fully deserved the three points. And even then, when we tried to, to rally and make a comeback, we all knew in our heart of hearts we were kind of fucked because it would involve us to win the game scoring three goals, and we can't do that. And uh, even at the end, it looked. I thought that Dundee looked more likely to get a third than we did to get a second. And that's your podcast, folks. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back same time next week. Yeah. Uh, well, Awful. Yes, or, or just or just listen to this again this time next week. Do you know what, David? It's what my gran used to call an absolute sack of fucking pish. 
we are so Wise women, you Loved her. Always got around well, and used to lead the sing-alongs in the Loudoun. I'd, I'd love her to get a fucking game at the moment because it's just, I mean, awful. I mean, it's, do you know what it is? It's so gutless. It is, it is actually embarrassing. And I, I'm going to call out what I think a few of the the listeners have already highlighted. There's a point here where we need to step up and actually lead here, and that emanates from the boardroom. Um, there's, there's nothing happening in Scottish football at the moment. I mean, zero. Nothing is happening. The Rangers managers hunt should have so much focus, it's all we should hear about constantly, 24-7. And do you know who's talking most about it at the moment? Chris Sutton. And that's how embarrassing it is. And so for me, uh, I'm not really... Uh, there's a point here where I can almost understand the players' apathy because what have they got to play for? No one's given them a kick up the arse. We're so um, rudderless. It's ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So, I, I mean, I don't, David, I don't... I, I, how do you dissect it? Where do you start? I think you can start before the match. When I think an error was made earlier in the week by when the club let it be known, didn't announce it, just let it be known that Graham Murty would be in charge. Uh, I think Stuart Robertson said for the foreseeable future, but they didn't say to the end of the season, but they just sort of let it be known that that might be the case. My initial response, uh, in fact, I said it in the pod last week, is this won't fly. This will not hold. It will not hold past one or two bad results. And I think I might have been optimistic with the two bad results. Um the fans just simply won't accept it. We don't need a youth team coach. We need a fucking football manager. And that was, was apparent. And in my opinion, what the board have done is they haven't had a plan. They, Despite the talk of we were going to sack Warburton, clearly hadn't given any thought to succession planning. It's a little bit like uh, George Bush going into Iraq here. You know, they, they thought the first bit, but no clue at all to the second. And on top of that, they then, I think, hoped that we might get away with this. Oh, he's won the game against Morton. Cool. See if he can get away with, with beating Dundee or doing all right up at Dundee. And, you know, see, see if we can get away with this to the end of the season. Well, if I can give you a message loud and clear, no, you fucking can't. Um, because if you are giving up on the season, and that's, to me, what that appointment or non-appointment or whatever screamed was... We're going to wait and uh, we're going to wait to the summer. And yes, yes, oh, great. You know, we're going to get the right man in the summer and all the rest of it. Don't ask us to pay to come and watch this side if you've given up. Don't ask us to continue like it's business as usual if you've given up. And with that announcement, I think, or non-announcement, I think they gave a message to the players that they're giving up on the season. I think a lot of the players know that they've nothing to play for. And let's face it, they're a bunch of heartless bastards at the best of times. And I think a few of them just decided that it didn't really matter then. We've got a temporary coach. Nothing's going to change till the end of the season. And you saw that today. It was the usual stuff. It was everything that this Rangers team has come to represent in a negative sense. We are incapable of matching a side who are hungrier. Dundee didn't do anything today except make it difficult for us. And this Rangers team don't do difficult. I, I, I think that there's a certain element of it where um, Dundee knew uh, 
they could very easily physically outmatch us um, with with very little effort. Um, there was kind of talk on social media before about what rates, etc., and everything else as well. And without necessarily going back down that road, the, the problem I've got with this is that um, there was maybe two players today which I felt actually get legitimately pissed off at what was happening in the park, and that was Miller and Waghorn. Don't get wrong, I think that the the kind of the temperament started to boil over, and I think of Waghorn one in particular. Uh, had got a contact in one of the lunges he put in. I think he probably would have would have seen a card. Um, it, it's it's funny though because in in today's world of professional football, whenever you see a manager leave who is obviously has left because of because of results not going his way, and probably the best example is actually is Mourinho in his second spell at Chelsea. The thing that really really angers me is when you see players who. Like the week prior, couldn't find each other, you know, with a ball five five feet away from each other. All of a sudden, can can play like absolute world champions. Well, you don't need to worry sure. about that with us. Yeah, whereas in actual fact, we we are quite clearly just happy just to let this kind of carry on. So I I, I understand where you're coming from with the board. I absolutely think that the board are culpable because yet again, and and it's like the Joey Barton situation all over again. We are. Totally, totally amateurish when we deal with stuff like this. I mean, it's bad. I mean, really, really bad when we need to actually think about long-term strategic planning. But the players at the moment just now are just quite happy just to just to tick a box. They're really just they're, they're just pouring it in now. Yes, they are. And 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 that is that's what annoys me more than anything else. Because see, if I was if I was Barry McKay, for example, Barry McKay's fishing for a move. All right, we know that with his contract. So there's only going to be so much that I expect Barry McKay to do. I don't, I don't disagree, but I don't also expect him to start, you know, fire himself about the place and potentially pick up a serious injury. But you've also got players as well who just make the same mistakes again and again and again and again. And last week when we were on the pod, we talked about Sendros had come out and said something along the lines of we don't do um, drills defensively. We don't do opposition research, etc. As well, those players are perfectly happy just to remove themselves from all accountability personal and collectively to ensure that they just pick up a wage there is no one in that team right now who's actually turning around and saying this isn't good enough it's not good enough for the support it's not good enough for the badge this needs to step up a gear and to me the only person who's who's shown a slight glimmer of that is Miller Mm. the rest of them all are gutless wage thieving bastards and genuinely, there isn't. If Warburton got a job tomorrow and decided to ransack our club from his from his ex-player pool, there isn't a single one of them right now that I would keep. No. Genuinely, that's how angry I am about it. He because would, he would need to ransack a club because he only signs players that he's worked with before. Well, do you know what? I, I'm I'm happy for him to go for it. Let's find him a job somewhere. Um, he can take over at, Ars, uh, at Arsenal when uh, when Wenger goes. I mean, let's see if he wants to go for that. This is honestly unacceptable in terms of where the players are sitting at now because um, I, I don't expect the board to come in and fire in loads of money. They've got no one to give it to. And they don't know what's going to actually happen, as I say, with the, with the setup. From what we've heard and read, Wilson apparently has been approached for a director of football. Maybe he wants to take it, I don't know. But what would, what, what would appear to be the strategy is we get a director of football in or an executive director. 
then recruit a manager, then we start talking about transfer windows. Transfer window opens in, in, in four months. So I, I don't even know who's a priority signing within that team because right now, as I say, I would shed every single lot of them. I think right now the issue that we have is, as you say, phoning it in, absolutely phoning it in. And you have certain players who will just never amount to anything because I keep hearing that Rob Kiernan, for example, is short of confidence. Rob Kiernan was pish when he had confidence. Rob Kiernan just isn't a football player. Rob Kiernan looks like the special kid at your school trying to get to the front of the milk queue. And when he gets there, he then busts the milk all over himself and stands there covered in milk, greeting. That's what he looks like as a footballer. It's... The, 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 the difference with Kieran, though, right, and, and, and this is this is what I will say to you, is everyone started to really enjoy the fact that Clint Hill came into that team and actually looked very capable defensively. The reason why Hill looks so, so capable is because he actually has some degree of defensive positioning, which Wilson seems to have completely lost. I don't even think Kiernan ever had, much less is capable of getting. Um, Tavernier is just an absolute busted flush now. His game is over. Tavernier is an embarrassment defensively. It's, it's and it, dismal. And, that, and that's the problem that you've got. Though. So, so uh, do you know what? See, see when we were talking about this the other week, and as I say, Sandro Ross saying we don't try to defensive drills. Do you know what? It fucking shows. Actually, it's quite apparent that you don't. Mm. And the, and the thing, the problem is as well with Kiernan is, I, I get, see, see probably, see probably through the Alec McLeish era, and and particularly as when David Weir was playing with us. Actually, this is probably more prevalent. You saw players develop alongside David Weir because they had some degree of positioning, and David Weir actually enhanced it. Begera, Queller, players like that, Wicker, actually, but were actually able. To expand on it and actually grow on it, I genuinely don't think Kieran has any of that whatsoever. No, and before the sun get onto us, because uh, they they seem determined that there's been a mob after Rob Kieran. It's not that I'm sure he's a perfectly nice young man. He's just an absolutely abysmal footballer, and it staggers me that he earns a wage from a football club. But he's not the only one, as you say. Tavernier defensively is is just an absolute yet again another goal down his side today, and. I honestly don't know what the thought processes are with him. I really can't see quite what he's trying to do. And that, that to me, is a difficulty because if you are watching someone and they're struggling to do something like Halliday, I can at least see what he's trying to do. He, he can't do it, but I can see what he's trying to do. Tavernier, on the other hand, I have no idea quite what the thought processes is. In the midfield, we've managed to, within a month, suck all the the joy and the kind of uh, joie de vivre out of Emerson Hindman. Uh Halliday didn't give a goal away today, which for an away performance from him is, is pretty good. I mean, he's culpable at the first one, but, you know, he didn't directly give one away. So uh, that's an improvement. And then can I, front, can I, sorry, sorry, can I just ask, for a guy who apparently was having a, a square goal with Joey Barton, where is Andy Halliday's passion now? Because do you know something? See all of this. He's one of our own and all that kind of stuff. I, do you know? I, I I love it. I love it with Andy Halliday because of the fact that uh, I know how desperately he wanted to play for Rangers, and the fact that he's willing to to be so upset about the the Celtic game earlier in the season that in actual fact it causes major disruptions within the squad actually showed for me a degree of hunger. And fundamentally, what I think you're now seeing as well is that it actually did us a little bit of a favour with Barton and getting rid of him. 
the problem that you got with that is that what, what where is it now? Where is his passion now? Has he sacked it? Is he the biggest? Is he the biggest indicator that that team has sacked it? Because if MD should be ro- running about the place, steaming into people, actually trying to do something, it should be Andy Halliday. Yep. I agree. Uh, to me, he's doing something I've seen before from particularly in that position where you hide in plain sight. And by that, what I mean is you stroll back, you take a pass from one of the defenders, you turn around and you knock it three yards to someone close to you. Then you can go and run close to him. No pressure on you. Take the ball back, knock it three yards to someone else. That way you can say, well, I had loads of touches and I'm very involved and look at me, I'm on the ball a lot, you hear my name in commentary a lot. But you're not actually doing anything. And now we have a situation where there are too many on that side because of the Warburton way of playing football that can do that because teams will often, especially at home, will allow us to have the ball. So a lot of our players can then go back from the defence you know, just just stand ten yards back from the opposition defence, take the ball in, look like they're buzzing around a lot, but not actually be under any pressure, not produce anything, not do anything that's going to change a game, and it's it's hiding in plain sight, and it's it's trying to fool the fans, but unfortunately we're not fooled. We can see what you're doing. Um, you you touched on a I think a point. Uh, earlier about Warburton coming back and I don't want to, to kind of beat a dead horse but I think it's still relevant so soon after after he left there were people on Twitter and on message boards, intelligent people guys, you know, that their opinion I, I respect but they were convinced and they were telling us Warburton needs more time there's nothing he can do with these players except board them back to them etc etc this is Warburton's shit show this is what he's left us with and I wonder if perhaps people had read too much into what they wanted him to be rather than what he was. So people had decided that he was the guy who was, you know, he, he was intelligent, he had loads of great plans, he was doing all the rest of it. And, you know, he fooled me for a while as well. But after it became clear, he fooled all of us for a bit and then, well, vast majority of us for a bit and then gradually and gradually it eroded. But... There were still people saying right up till he left, no, he you know he needs to get the season. He deserves respect. He's blah blah. blah. This is the shite he's left us with. This and oh, the board didn't back him. This was what he spent. This was he got the money in and he turned to his mate Frank and said, "Frank, gonna look round the world." And Frank went, oh, "I'll no bother my arse doing that." Um, but I've I've kept my old contact book or or uh, an old squad list from when we were at our previous clubs, I'll just dip into that. And I wonder now, any coach coming in will have to do what Mourinho's having to do at Manchester United, which is not only do you need to coach the team, you need to coach the war button out of them. You need to coach this attitude out of them. You need to coach this, I will hide, I will drop, I will, I will try and make sure I don't get the blame mentality out of them. You've you've said the key word. It's attitude. It is attitude. I'm sorry. It's 100. Um, there's 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 far too much apathy within that squad. So I suppose um, easiest way I can I can demonstrate this is say if you were to take James Tavernier to one side and say to him, in the next 90 minutes of football, what's more important to you personally? Not 
not as a team personally, to keep a clean sheet or to score a goal. And I bet you he'd have to think before he answered. Mm. And I don't get as to how a defender can possibly have to even consider, consider that. that. And, and, and that is what that is a Warburton philosophy. Because whilst I, I totally understand the, the, the remit of attack in football, it is unacceptable for a defender to think that how we are playing at the moment just now and what he is he is contributing towards that defence is acceptable. But there's a hopelessness among them, Cammy, and you can see it because they make the same errors, which to me suggests that they don't work on... No, they don't, and, that, are, and that's that, yeah, that, that, was the point, that was the point I was saying. No, and, they don't, and you're correct, they don't, but... They don't work in it. I don't think they care about it. That, that, that's honest. what that suggests, absolutely. Then it's a, it is an attitude thing. And the fact is, the players' attitude today was howling. Dundee were right from the start in our faces, right, physically. Roaring in the 50-50s. It was windy. It was, you know, it was a good pitch, but it was windy. Ball was flying about. And we had to overcome that. We had to be strong enough to conquer that. And let's face it, all of us knew. All of us. Everybody watching that knew we wouldn't. Because we knew our players just simply would not be up for that, and they weren't. The, 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 how many, do you know what to do? Right? We, talk, we, we kind of joked earlier on at the start of the pod about, you know, just go back and listen to this pod, uh, or, or just repeat this pod in terms of what obviously happens in the kind of upcoming weeks. Do you know what to do? Right? I'll, I'll put my neck out in the line. Let's, let's go back two or three years, and let's actually talk about something we talked about way back then, where teams were coming to Ibrox knowing that we were weak. Fundamentally, across across the board, we were weak uh, in terms of almost practically every single player position. And you and I both said, any manager worth their soul will say, keep it twi- keep it tight for twenty minutes. Then the crowd will start to get on top of them, and they'll crumble. And how many times did that actually happen? Yeah. And do you know what's happening now? Same thing. And what's actually happening is managers are now simply saying, if you get in about them. They've got no cohesion, they're fear, and as a result of that, they'll just simply they'll yeah. just simply step back. And it's and it, do you know what that that is not tactical. It's not um, at the upper echelons of you know football uh, professional money. football yeah. and coaching. Yeah. But do you know what it's effective? Yeah, because with us, all you need to do us. all you need to do is go to Ibrox if you're playing us, sit in and tell your lads just what you said there. Don't make mistakes. Don't worry about coming out with the ball. Um, they'll give you chances, so just make sure you're doing your defensive thing right, two banks of four or four five or whatever. Then when you when the fixtures reversed, exactly that, get in their faces right from the off, make it physical, make it a battle, make it unpleasant, test them, and they will not respond. Um, they will then go into their shell, they will hide. I thought Waghorn in particular today tried to get himself sent off. That's what I thought those two tackles were. I think I think we talk back to experience about the fact that you see Clint Hill, and he's like the guy who goes along, and he's he's such an experienced moviegoer that he goes along to somehow realizes in the first five minutes this is shite, and then leaves. Yeah. So he just gets himself he just gets himself taken off, and he's like, I'm sacking this, I'm going up the road, and uh, and that's what the experience counts. Waghorn probably did try and get himself sent off, if I'm being honest, um, but then, and I, and I hate doing this comparison. How many times have we seen Scott Brown almost in the same way go virtually feral with uh, with anger when his chips are down and the team's getting beat or they're getting hard pressed? Brown's one of the first ones to come out and start laying in crucial challenges. But and a, don't get me wrong. There's a difference, and I agree he gets away with murder, but 
there's a difference between doing it to perk your team up or to run off individually and I think just go I'm going to cement this guy to make myself feel better for a few seconds and that, but even but even even the bid. players but even even the players seeing that though even the players around you I'm not saying about chopping people down for you know just just for appearances sake but the thing is though that what that message effectively does is tells your teammates this is unacceptable so what you've then got is almost this culture of if I go off the park having put in less than 110% then I've got to answer to him but yeah doesn't and, that only work if there's a mutual respect within the team and I don't think there is I don't think any of those players Look at someone, maybe Miller, maybe, but not enough to to want to do that. I don't think we we have that level of respect I, I among think, the players. I think I think where you've got I think where you've got a real and I I don't know if it's so much a cohesion, it's it's a, a lack of ability and a lack of respect. So the two guys that immediately spring to my mind in this is Vieira and Roy Keane. guys who led by example went in there. But if you if you didn't do your job and didn't pull your socks up then you'd have to answer to them. We've got no one in that team who firstly leads in that way and secondly commands that level of respect from their ability. It's because it's too nice and they're too cosy. And yeah, either are they're pally. A bad result is disappointing and they'll learn from it. And they've been cocooned and cosseted. And you can see by the fact, you know, the, the reactions to, to some of the criticism that they get when they're faced with the real world. Um, and by the way, I'm not suggesting you know if you you abuse a player on Twitter, you're an idiot, or if you abuse a player on the street, which thankfully I don't think has happened. But I, by that I mean at the game, um, you can see them; they're, they're very kind of unable to cope with it. Um, moving on slightly to the board now, I've criticised them earlier on the show. I said that I thought that they sent the wrong message this week. I think one of the the things that's coming about this board since he took over, there was that great initial. They came in, they immediately replaced McDowell with with McCall. Since then, this is a board who, and I wonder if it was because at that time they were still on attack mode from trying to gain control of the club. But as soon as they got in, they've become incredibly indecisive. Everything takes longer than it should. Everything seems to be debated and debated and debated and action seems to be very very slow in coming and in terms now of letting us down and by the way before anyone says I am very grateful to the board forever will be however uh, you know time moves on and at the end of the at the end of your spell we look back and say was it a success or was it not Um, they will always be in credit for the for getting rid of the spivs so I'm not saying you know sack the board or anything like that but what I am saying is I think they let us down after the cup final badly I think they let us down after what we witnessed at Parkhead not so much on the field as off the field those those vile and sickening scenes I thought they let us down then and I think they are letting us down now because they do not have a plan and for any of them to suggest that they do this director of football idea we've suggested in the pod for well for years but two years ago it was dismissed now it's the right idea well you know why what was it why did you arrive at this when did you arrive at this and i just think that their indecision has paralyzed the club downwards 
at the moment, we're not going anywhere. We have no leadership. We are entirely rudderless. King's style, which seems to be very remote, is spreading throughout the club and there's a sort of coldness in terms of making things happen. Everything seems to be slow and everything seems to take longer than it should. And I think at the moment that we have a club that's sadly paralysed in terms of decision making and in terms of what direction it wants to go in. And unfortunately for them, we do not have a support who are like that. We have a support who pretty much, for the first time in my life, agree on where we need to go and the kind of things we should be doing. And... I can see a lot of unhappiness coming in. If the board think that they're still surfing on that wave of happiness and popularity getting in, that wave's coming to an end, lads. Uh, it's now time to start putting some some actions behind the words. I agree. Um, I think for me, the, the kind of term I would probably use is that there's probably a bit of naivety in terms of how we're going to round the football operation at the moment. I, I don't think, for my part, the board are still on that um, on that wave from the, the kind of takeover and everything else as well and all that kind of thing. Um, I can't... I suppose for me, I can't really say that it feels that King working remotely cannot work because throw a stone in England and you'll hit a club whose owners are not UK based but they have a much better infrastructure to manage that yep. where I think there's a naivety and this is this is come up a couple of times we're very good at now making statements which is great because you and I for 10 years have talked about some of the naivety around you know previous boards and uh, the kind of whole PR aspect of it We've you and I have done that for a long time David yep the, the the problem with this, right, and where we're really falling down, is if you are going to say in a statement a fortnight ago, we are going to look for a director of football, we are going to bring in a new structure, we're going to do this, actually have them wait in the wings. Now, there's a certain degree of finesse, and probably Dingwall's the best person to kind of talk to about this, but there's a certain degree of finesse that when you are trying to launch stories, when you're trying to obviously... Um, almost drip feed the media a little bit. You don't do everything all at once because it's overwhelming. You time your runs, you bring things out when it's due and then when it's critical and blah, 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 what have you. Um, oftentimes, you and I have seen that in anti-ranger stories where we're almost at a decent, a decent run, a decent picture form, and then all of a sudden at a left field comes some sort of story which is meant to derail us. It's not a new tactic. Where this board falls down, is I don't even believe that that's a strategy. I think if you're going to say we're going to bring in a director of football, then by that stage you've either already held interviews and confirmed someone or you're still in the process of it. Yep. And now what's happened is we we look... I don't know if Stuart Robertson's mummy and Dave King's daddy and mummy can't make a decision unless he signs off on it. And if that's the case, then King needs to, King needs to be here. That absolutely uh, is the case. Nothing gets... Nothing major... Gets done, and by that so, I mean, any so sort in of that case, in that case, any sort King, of appointment gets done without King's 
King's approval and people. So King, so King, King either needs to. And I'm not necessarily saying he needs to be here more. I don't know. I don't know what we achieve with Dave King sitting in our office yeah. in Emerson Drive. No, you know, but, five days but a week. Cammy, one thing is we we mentioned in the pod uh, that things take longer at Rangers because Dave King's often unavailable, and people I think misunderstood that and they said things like, "Well, I don't believe that um, because you know he, he can still pick up a phone, he can still be emailed. He's not unavailable in that." You know, uh, he can't be reached. He can't be reached. It's that he yeah. won't be. If Dave King is doing something else, then it can take two or three days to get an answer. And it's as you say, it's not because he doesn't have a phone. So I think people maybe misunderstood me when I said that. It, it's because it takes two or three days to get a decision back from Dave King. So, but but then equally, I, I think that we've got to give King a little bit. Of kind of of room in that, in the fact that some of the decisions that he has to sign off on are not flashing the pan. Do you know what I mean? But what what and this is probably where it kind of dials back to the infrastructure. If he's not comfortable with his with his um, hierarchy, been able to make those decisions with or without his consent, it would question to me what these guys are capable of doing because we are now starting to stutter in terms of where things are. And you've said that there's a degree of culpability that this board have to answer to in terms of where we're looking to try and get to. And in actual fact, um, this is where I think we're letting ourselves down the most, is that we should be able to actually start to recover some of this off the field when you look at some of the on-the-field um, performances. We're not able to do that at the moment. And if that is because of a lack of Dave King, if that's because of some sort of recruitment snafu, if something's happened that we are obviously not aware of, there's no harm in being able to try and almost fill the fans in a little bit in terms of what the kind of upcoming steps are. But we can't release a statement defending ourselves so quickly as we did with the Warburton fiasco to then turn round and and effectively close the doors until we're ready to declare exactly what's happening next. No, I think that's, that's not a strategy. That's 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 almost. Um, and it is. It's amateurish. That's what it is. Yeah. It, it was like that with Barton. We're going to pay off Warburton. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. Um, and that's where th- this this kind of thing is just stupid. That's where the indecision. The- that's where the indecisive tag comes from. Another example of that was the Barton thing was dreadfully mishandled. It was, but then I, I think that, like you say, I don't know. What this feels like to me is that sometimes there's an empty seat which has to be the sign-off before you can start making decisions. And again, I, I mean, I'm reiterating this point, but if that's the case and King has it set up with that, he either has to make a decision, he either has to be more accessible, or alternatively, he has to be able... To, I don't know if he wants to be able to default his or proxy his uh, power to, to Gilligan or Murray to be able to then obviously allow them the opportunity to have that, that degree of sign-off. No one, no one here has turned around and saying Dave King should make quick decisions. Dave King should make this decision within the next 40 hours. No one's saying that. Because we all understand the ramifications of how we want to set up this structure and who to bring in. The problem we've got to now is I don't even think we're down that road yet. Are Club 1872 too close to the board? And are they reluctant to criticise them? That's a tough question. Yeah, um, I agree, and it's not one that's it's one we were asked by a listener. And yeah, since I, I since I left the murky world of of fan 
groups, I haven't really got involved in it because I don't think my presence would be useful. I think that um, I, I'm happy to give advice whenever I'm asked, but I think that my presence there would be, you know, a little bit that people would maybe focus on it rather than focus on the people who are doing it currently. And it is difficult. And maybe I do come from a rather old-fashioned one where when we were there, you opposed them. <laughs> and that was, when we were there, Cammy, that's what we did. Uh, <laughs> and I wonder if, if you know, maybe I I come from an adversarial school of thought and I'm not good and, and I'm not able to see the benefits of the club working together with with, the group and by the way, before anyone says yeah, this is not criticizing Club eighteen seventy two audits reps or whatever, I know how hard that is. I know how much of your life you've got to give to it, so I respect them for that. I don't what, like what you're, what you're what you're saying is you're more of a wartime consigliere. I think so. I, 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 fuck that. I'm Sonny. You know, I'm the I'm the guy who runs out and gets shot. You know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Sonny Sonny like birds. There's a difference. <laughs> Listen, mate. I've been married twice so far. You haven't been married once, right? Shut up, my uh, bachelor friend. Engaged okay. doesn't count, all right? Until, until she, could, she could still leave. She, I, could, she, warm she, could, she could warm you, but until then, <laughs> mate, your, your closet status is still to be determined. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If anyone listens, that you know, this show is, is, is probably the most uh, pro-homosexual show on, on Scottish football, uh, and uh, I think everyone would concur with that. But... I do sort of wonder where they are at times and people calling for them to comment on the the playing squad, i.e. what we are doing at the moment, no, that's not a fans group thing. That was a mistake that we made where we deserve better because we put in a couple of things about, you know, the set pieces being poor and stuff and that was what people who didn't like us focused on and that's what they will do. How dare you tell Walter Smith that, you know? But they can comment on the off-field shambles, the decision-making, the the fact it takes all, you know, the director of football being moved, they can comment on all that, and they're not. And at the moment, I think our board deserve constructive criticism. We don't dislike them. Got to make that absolutely clear. Rangers fans, in the main, do not dislike the current board. In fact, we admire and respect and like them and want them to do really well. However, you are allowed, in fact, it is your duty as a Rangers fan to criticise them when they're not performing because we pay our money and we are the most important facet of that football club. And we have been for at least, well, forever, but certainly for at least a decade. And I do wonder if when they're away talking about building facilities at the youth ground and, and all the rest of it, that's not really stuff that matters to the average fan. It's not, but I suppose if you go back to the, you kind of alluded earlier on when both you and I were in the, the trust board, we we all, all we had was a series of dips at that time, David. Yeah, this is probably the biggest dip in Club 1872's history that it's now had. Um, where I think. We had, we had kind of more well we had kind of said last week in the pod that we didn't get to the stage yet of uh, protests outside the stadium, which I think we're a long way off that. No, no, no. But the thing, but the thing is though that that within the time frame that you're talking about, what you're referring to, we did. Okay. Oh yeah. And and I think had Warburton stuck it out, and I think I had continued to go on a on a on a, on a kind of downward turn. I don't know if at some point that would have provoked. Club 1872 into action, which probably would have come from 
uh, a drive from its members, which, you know what, listen, as you've rightly said, that's what they're there for. I think, I think the problem you've got just now is, what, what you've just said is, um, 10 years ago, we were not in a position to turn around and say, um, so-and-so shouldn't take free kicks. Why so-and-so in corners? Why can't we, you know, defend cross? Yeah. Well, Learn matter, right? from our mistakes. That was a mistake yeah, we exactly. made. Learn from, at but, the time, we didn't have a playbook. They do. Yeah, but the problem that you've got now is though, that if you're then going to be Club 1872 and say, right, well, we're going to criticise the board uh, because of uh, the strategy that the board is currently employing, uh, I don't know what that strategy is. But I suppose that's what I'm trying to say, is the fact that there's a lot of gaps here. Now, the board could turn around and, and, and put a, a you know a nice smile on it and say, well, actually, you know, we're talking to someone, we're expecting an announcement in the next couple of days, or blah, blah, blah. I think the, the the larger point here is that it shouldn't take a fan's body to be able to then actually go and, and, and prop that statement. The club should be able to then start strategising this on its own. And this is where this is where I don't even think that there is anything like that in place. There's no scheme, there's no plan no, to be able I, to I actually think, say this is what's going on. Yeah, and I think it's that that's the main worry. But that I wonder if that is something that a fans group should be saying to what is the strategy, what is the plan? And I, I don't see it at the moment. And like I say, you know, you and I did come from that sort of adversarial, um, we're the most important, we're the fans, you know, the type type idea. And we worked with the club where we could, but if we disagreed, we, we said it. And I think that, that maybe that's something that, that that's something that needs to be done. Do you know the worst well, thing well, about today, Cammy? Do you know the absolute bloody worst thing? Is well, we made Paul Hartley look like a football manager. Paul yeah, Hartley... Looks like someone took morph, covered them in glue, and used them to give an ugly woman in her fifties a Brazilian, and we made the guy look like a genius today. We made so Darren gen- O'Day look like a football player. The the SNP have probably missed a massive step just now because if they were going to use um, wind energy to power the country, they probably could have got it right now from Chris Sutton's right wrist. Mm. At the amount he must be fapping himself daft over how how poorly we played today, uh, um, because the, the other thing about it is Murty, you know, on the sideline. God love him, but it's not that inspirational when you've got a guy doing handstands when you miss a chance. What the fuck was that? And that was like Martin O'Neill at his wibbliest. And then the camera cuts him at one point. He's standing there chewing his jacket. Now, I admit I possibly have standards for a Rangers manager that are too high. I probably have an idealised vision in my head and I hold people to unreal standards. Wear a suit. suit. But I do not want a fucking jacket chewer to be standing there at the side of the pitch unless they have been taken there by a local charity to observe the match, if you get my point. Yeah, I understand that. It was unbecoming, (laughs) shall we say. it's, 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 It's unbecoming. I don't like the fact that him and Neil Lennon share the same dentist mm. uh, I, I, personally I thought that the backward roll into handstand uh, could have been quite impressive, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Van Hal when obviously he did the kind of falling over tactic and stuff as well um, yeah, but, but in fairness though he, mm. he probably had more lateral movement than a lot of the players out in the, out that's, the field that's a good point, Yeah, you showed most flexibility than certainly the back four right, yeah. um, just before we wrap up we asked for questions because you know listen to me and Cammy a lot all the time so we a wee bit of audience interaction um, you can get in touch with us if you ever so wish to we're on Heart and Hand uh, the Rangers podcast, you search for us on Facebook and like the page and share it if you would 
Um, and also on Twitter, where I'm at uh, Ibrox Rocks, and Cami is at Beat That Beat. So we we said, do you have any questions? And uh, we got loads and loads and loads and loads. We really did. So I've cut it down to I think the most asked ones. Whoever asked first questions that were most asked, and we'll, we'll just go through this to wrap things up. Uh, right, first up is Simon eighteen seventy two. He said. Ambition, have the board given up this season? If so, why? Seems they just thought, fuck it, Marty will get second. Well, it's it's a help that basically we enter into the the same qualifying stage, whether we finish second or third. So, um, I, I, again, I don't actually think for a single minute the board are actually you know seeing that just now. Um, but I think that the board... I think the board are thinking about next season already. That's yes. that's how how, I, how I'm looking at it. I think the board um, hoped to get by. I don't know if giving up is quite what they've done, but it certainly is an impression that you could get. And there is I, the, I think there is no going, impetus for a short term solution. No, and I agree with that. Um, uh, next up is uh, at Strider eighty, uh, who's our friend Alex Staff. So uh, hello, Alex. Um, top man. Top man, um, although, as I said to him today, I, I, I sometimes think he watches a different game from us. He's, he's very positive. But then a lot of that is down to the fact that he came to a gig um, that me and Scott were playing one night, and uh, he was like more a friend of, of Scott's the, than mine. And I introduced him to my friend Joe, and they had it off. So he's maybe it's because he's so in love that... I should point out Joe's a girl, by the way. But... Maybe it's because... so. Just, just so I'm clear on it, so he he watches us, is positive, and voluntarily came to one of your gigs. Yeah, and quite and, clearly, the and, guys and got back. rewarded. The guys delusional and got rewarded with a lady friend out of with it. With a bird. My music, mate. My music brings people together. What's his question? For fuck's sake, just go on, mate. Come on, chop, chop. Uh, a view on the role of the board, maybe? Should they be asking fans to have more patience, trust, and long-term plan? Well, I don't think they have a long-term plan. That's the problem. And if they do, they should be saying we do. And yes, asking for trust <laughs> in it. It's a bit general melt shit, isn't it? Yes. You know what I mean, um, do you know what? I would agree with that. If it was the case that they're going to again potentially start to give us some understanding. You do these things in dribs and drabs. You announce your exec director or the uh, DOF, and then what you then do is potentially look at managerial candidates, start to get a shot built together. You and I both know names are leaked to the press yep. in order to be able to try and stir up um, some some interest and some generation around that. We're not even at that stage yet. I think I think probably a more prevalent question actually dials back to to probably the the, uh, the, the fan communication side of it. And this was actually something I meant to say earlier on. Um, when you and I were trying to work with the club beforehand, it was very easy for them just to shut the door in our face. As soon as something happened that they didn't like, quite happy just to just to you know chuck us out of the room. Yes. This this board to me would not do that. No, no, I think I'd totally so agree. I, I, I think in actual fact they're far more pliant to the fans' requests. Um, and I think that for me, the biggest thing out of that is probably uh, how do we actually have that two-way communication, even just between. The fans and the club Forgetting everybody else Forgetting the media Forgetting everything else as well Because that should be a two-way street I don't think that's very high on the list of priorities at the moment For obvious reasons mm. But that should be something Which I think actually should be considered On a kind of long-term basis mm. Somebody asked me um, If, you know, when you get married 
um, if I would be the best man at the wedding and I said well obviously but I then took it he, he then explained he meant you know as part of the ceremony and I go oh good no, no I wouldn't do that but I just want you to know Cammy, that if you ask me to be the best man at your wedding I promise I promise I would attend by Skype um, well that's fine what to do is give me your dogs so that they can be ring bearers that would be awesome <laughs> and you know it <laughs> uh, right what's the next question David Con? this isn't you know your usual wank fest this crisis is happening come on the crisis I know I, I, you know that, that's the problem that's the thing I, I sit and I argue with, with, with Big Strider on, on Twitter and I don't think he realises that I'm pretty much similar to him that I, I just I'm at a stage in my life where I just you know want to talk nonsense a lot of the time and I'm, I get quite calm after it Clint 19460920 great name yeah this is not not the easiest if you want to just say I oh, just tweet me I'm at um, is, I think that's a great question though is there anyone in the 2017 team with the possible exception of Miller who would get into 85 or worst ever Premier League team or top level team you might be a bit too young to remember the 85 team, Cammy. Uh, to a certain extent, however, I know of them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm not willing to speak about them from a, a, a game-to-game performance basis. Unfortunately, my knowledge isn't that good. Yeah. Um, the, the person who I think, who I actually think probably could make that transition would be John Rosa. Well, I haven't seen another Rosa. I can't, I can't comment. Uh, and as well, because he's because he's, he's dead, so he can go through time. Yeah, as he signs fiction, he could you know turn up back there, Martin McFly style. Ah, I was I was young at the time, but I do remember that side pretty well. I think Wes might have had a chance of getting in goals because at the time it was Nicky Walker or, or Peter McCloy. Peter McCloy was past his best, and Nicky Walker who would go on. I was going to say right at right at the tail end of it. Who, who would go on to be a half decent keeper defensively? Although it wasn't a great defence, it would piss all over this one. Um, possibly, possibly Lee Wallace. Midfield, we don't have a midfield, so it's impossible to say. Going forward, I mean, you could say Barry McKay, but with Davy Cooper, so you know, next. No, yeah, exactly. And up front, Ali would obviously take a place. Miller, I think, would go in next to him. I, I think so. Just buzzing through the squad. No, I genuinely, genuinely don't think that. As I say, maybe Wallace, probably Miller, probably Ford. That would be it for me. Okay. Um, Matheson asks, uh, players who must go and players who can improve next season. I think that's quite an interesting one as well. Um, Who can go? Um, All of them. Who can improve? All of them. Uh, I suppose well I appreciate that's probably a little bit sarcastic Touch um, flippant Cameron Yeah um, it's, it's, I suppose it's kind of tough because I think that like I say we've seen for me the best out of Miller we, we should be able to survive without him however we haven't for the last now or many years um, I would like to believe that Kiernan could develop I don't because I think he's shit mm-hmm. um, and everyone else I, I mean I don't, who, who else within that team could could probably expand it Barrett McKay won't because as I say he's fishing for a move regardless um, I, I don't I don't really know of any kind of decent really unnurtured talent that's in there um, I'm not sold as as much as we've been on, on young Harry 
Um, and I, I, again, beyond that, I've, I've, I'm really scratching my head. Guys who I think a manager could get a turn out of, um, I think possibly Wilson, although he's getting to the shit or get off the pot stage of his career. Um, Fodering's a very good goalkeeper, by the way, we massively would need to worry about him. I don't think any. I don't, so, so I disagree with that. I don't think he's a good goalkeeper. I think he panics when he's shut down. I think he struggles at times to be able to try and clear his line sufficiently. I think he's questionable at times in terms of dealing with a ball through a, a route one when it's coming straight at him. I don't think he's a good shot stopper. I, I, I get the, the kind of sense I get when I talk about stuff like this, as well as that I'm in the minority. But I don't think he's that good a goalkeeper. It's just my toppings were. Mm. I think Wallace will be kept regardless. I'd get rid of Tavernier. I'd get rid of, obviously, Senderos and Kiernan. Midfield, I think Holt's limitations, unfortunately, because I really liked him, but I think Holt's limitations have been showing up. Halliday, I'd keep as a squad player, I admit. I think that you can get something out of Halliday if you can rebuild his confidence and play him in, in a position that's more suited to him. Rossiter, obviously, we don't know. Windass, I think... If talk of bids coming in for him, I real take it because he's made a glass. But I think that there is talent there. Uh, Forrester, I don't know, there is talent there, but he's never going to be a world beater. But I, I think you could probably hold on to him and, and get a manager might be able to get a turn and get a tune out of him. Waghorn, I'd get rid of. He just fails to deliver too often, um, and I, I, I just I'd let him go. Mackay, I think will go at some point anyway. I think he wants to, so I agree with you on that one. And then you're getting into the squad guys like Dodo uh, and Hodson and all the rest, and uh, I don't, I, I don't really know. Do, Dodo, I think, has been a bit unfortunate um, because he can finish, unlike the vast majority of them. So I wonder if a manager might look at that and say, if I can strengthen you up, you might turn it to be a player for me. So um, yeah, not not an awful lot of of players there. Um, Mike asks, talk about. I, th- I think the thing. Uh, sorry, David, just before we kind of go on to that, I think the other thing you've got to be able to try and ask with that is it's great being able to then say if any of these guys are able to, to develop in terms of they're actually able to enhance what they have at the moment. Uh, we've spent a wee while already talking about the fact that there's a lot of these players who you need to be able to try and turn to when the chips are down. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were to kind of resubmit the list based on that criteria, I think it would be far, far shorter. Yeah, And that, is, is for me, is to where... Yeah, actually, a really effective manager actually comes in and builds people up, but solidifies them at that enhanced platform to ensure that they don't slip back down again when things aren't going their way, when an injury comes, when, you know, as I say, they're out of form or whatever. Actually, a good, solid manager should be able to maintain that standard. And if they've got a dip, then in actual fact, you know, where they are when they first meet is, is the lowest that will ever, ever happen. And actually, and continue to increase them as time goes on. Mike asks, talk about the team in context of Lincoln's performance against Burnley, a team which gave us a chasing pre-season. That's a, that's a really good point. I, something I watched that game, it was brilliant, so much fun. It was a real old-fashioned cup tie. It was really, really good to watch. But one of the impressive things about Lincoln was they, uh, they had so many great set pieces and they eventually got the goal from it. And they asked the scorer afterwards, he said, you know, is that one you worked on in training? He said, yeah. He goes, we spend a lot of the week working on set pieces. And I thought, wow, how amazing. Yeah, so, you know? yeah, so, so in that, I think what was really interesting was, um, 
if you actually watched the Lincoln Back Four, because obviously it was under massive scrutiny yesterday because of you know how much pressure they had to kind of maintain, and and they came out of it brilliantly. Oh, I think really, it's really the games of the life. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not no, getting into get well, you know, Lincoln are better than us because but I don't. Uh, well, but, but, but if you, but if you think moment. though that that actually the goal that they scored from, because apparently according to the manager, I don't know. The manager team are brothers, so it's manager, assistant manager, they're both brothers. Yeah. Um, apparently, they scored a very similar goal a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. where uh, one centre half basically is the recipient of the ball directly from the corner, nods it back across the box and back into play. And it's actually quite funny. If you watch the Lincoln goal again, <laughs> there's actually the boy who scores it, and forgive me, I forget his name. There's actually, I think it's one of the Lincoln midfielders is coming in to try and get it, and he actually holds him off, yeah, so that he can head the ball and actually score the goal himself. But apparently, according to the management team, they had scored a very similar goal to that previously, and it is something that they actually drill on in training. Um, in terms of obviously the two centre halves looking to be able to try and find each other, it's do you know what it's basic, but do you know what it's it's great for them and it's great when it works. Do you know what I mean? It's basic, but it's apparent. It's a basic we don't do. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, and we'll wrap up with this. Neil CG he asks, uh, "Has the time come for the board to feel some heat for the shambolic position we're currently in?" Yes. Yep, we need uh, we need some we need some positive press. We need some positive PR. We need some some real leadership in terms of what's happening. Um, I think, amazingly, we're at the stage where we don't actually have a preferred candidate for manager. I think if you got ten Rangers fans and asked them all to name a manager who they'd want. You'd get McLeish, you'd get Walter Smith, uh, you'd get Derek McInnes, you'd get Frank De Boer. I mean, you'd get, you know, a, a whole vast array of names. Mm. Um, so there isn't going to be anyone which I think will come out that will be, I mean, unless they pull a real rabbit out of the hat, there won't be anyone who will come out and I think will be massively overwhelming or underwhelming, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, people come in and say, right, this is who we picked and you've got to have faith in that, blah, blah, blah. And I think the fan base will support that. But we need to know that that's happening. Um, and right now, no one's convinced that it is. No. Um, and I'll go back to the point I made right at the start. If you want people to continue on the journey with you, don't tell them that as far as you're concerned, the journey is temporarily halted, which is kind of what I think the Murty decision amounts to. And our, our good friend Ian Hogg, regular panellist, he, he rages when football clubs, and particularly ours, treat their fans uh, with contempt um, unintended contempt I would say in this case but still I agree with that you know people have lives and people have things to get on with and yes I'm, we all know the people that will turn up rain hail or shine and it's back the team and that's great brilliant you know we're among them but you will always get those casual fans and we need their money and if you're saying to those casual fans we've written off this season they'll say to you cool I'll see you in August and that's something the board need to be aware of. And at the moment, that is very much a trap, I think, that we're going down. So I obviously didn't respond to this, but I have a question. And actually, I don't know if we can put it back onto Twitter and stuff as well or do it via one of our, one of our accounts. Do you think this team is capable of getting to the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup? What's your answer? Who have we got next? Hamilton? Hamilton, Hamilton at home. In the quarters? Yep, they're capable of it. Will they? Is a different thing because at the moment you can't really see where they're going to get it from. I mean, we we got over the line against Morton. Morton should have equalised in the last minute. We never looked at like getting anything today, 
and at the moment every game for us is a very very tough game we don't score goals we do concede yeah I mean are we capable yes will we I wouldn't put my mortgage on it and I think that that's that for me is probably the question that Marty has to ask himself now is if he wants to have a, a you know fully fledged managerial career he has to be able to motivate these players past this result into that game at the start of March to be able to say this is now, basically you've now got quite literally three cup finals to be able to actually put some glimmer of hope on this season. Um, don't get me wrong, I don't think we're capable of beating Celtic if we were to get them in the semi or the final. Um, but that that's that's all he has to do now. Because in actual fact, I still I still believe that we're capable of achieving second or third. Uh, I don't think we'll dip below that. However, he needs to be able to then motivate these players. And actually, the casual fans that you're talking about, if he wants to try and retain them, if he wants to get any form of momentum so that he can take back into like, the Scottish Cups, his best way of doing it. Yeah, I would agree with that, mate. I think that that's a reasonable point. Okay then, um, all that it means to do, I'll reiterate where you can get in touch with us, and please do, um, because as you say, we do we do read them and we do try to respond to you. Um, on Twitter, I'm at ibroxrocks, Cammy is at beatthatbeat. Um, Scott, if you want to be in touch with them, is at Scott Hart and Hand, and of course, uh, Ian Og, who's been on the last couple of weeks, is at Vanderhog, and you can get in touch with all of us there. And, uh, we do try and respond, unless you're quite stupid. Um, or unless you're, you know, a fan of another club, in which case we just block you. And don't get upset by that. We just automatically block you. We just, you know, it's nothing personal. It's just don't want to talk to you. You know, no offense, but well, <laughs> some offense. Uh, fuck off. I don't care. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, if you want to get in touch with the Facebook, it's just go and search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, and please like and share the page. Uh, it'd be a big help to us if you could. All that remains for me to do then is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, and to thank my guest, the ever-reliable and ever-wonderful Mr Cameron Bell. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure as always. David, just before just before we sign off, if I may, uh, I'm not a huge fan of doing shout-outs on this. However, I would like to make a big exception if I can. Um, you will probably know that um, Rangers supporters representative Jim Hanna made the decision uh, to retire uh, very recently, and I'd just like to wish Jim all the best in his retirement. He's been a fantastic servant to Rangers. Excellent. My name's David Edgar. I've been your host and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.